Hi colleagues, this is Vanessa Vigna. This is episode four of Sea of Chalk. The focus of this episode is fluency. Let's dive in. today. In this episode, I'll talk about what it is, why we need to do it, and some tools and techniques for how to support students in their fluency work. So what is fluency? Fluency is how reading sounds if you read it out loud, or even when you're reading it silently in your head, how smooth it sounds. Does it sound the way that we talk? Um, or is it choppy? Like, we don't want that robotic reading. Um, we want kids scooping words into meaningful phrases and responding to punctuation. Um, Fawn Spinell have a great rubric that describes the six dimensions of fluency, pausing, phrasing, stress, intonation, which also means um, expression, and the rate, the speed. And then finally, integration, putting all of those pieces together so that you don't have um, really good, just really good phrasing, but you're also orchestrating all of those other dimensions to have a truly fluent reading. So why do we need to teach it? Well, it my big aha over the past several years has been that it's not just about making them sound better, but it also allows me a little sneak peek at their decoding, their phonics application. Um, if a student is reading really choppy, it is possible that it's not just because they need some explicit instruction in fluency, but maybe their phonics needs a little bit of work too. So if I have a kid who is a disfluent reader, then uh, over the past several years, I have done little assessments that get at the phonics to try and tease out if maybe there is either a gap or a misunderstanding that I can do some reteaching and uh, shore up before um, to make their fluency even better. It also, fluency, will impact their comprehension. Um, and whether it's because of being disfluent or because of some more phonics work is needed, if they're reading really choppy, it's possible that they're spending so much time um, trying to read it um, that the comprehension piece falls by the wayside. Another reason why it's so great to explicitly teach fluency is that it allows you to incorporate poetry. Poetry is probably the most, the best example of fluent reading opportunities, provides the best um, opportunities for fluent reading 
because poets, you know, are so intentional about their word choice and their rhythm, their fluency, that it allows students to practice them sort of in a natural environment because poetry is just naturally fluent. And if it is not fluent, um, I would probably bet that the author did that intentionally to try to make it almost uncomfortable for the reader because of the content of the poem. But certainly the poems that are um, elementary students, especially our youngest elementary students are reading, are going to lend themselves very easily, very nicely to practice fluency. And I happen to have in the book room at Center School for the primary grades a huge collection for grades K, 1, and 2. Unfortunately, there isn't a digital option, but I have these books from Fannis Pinnell called Sing a Song of Poetry, and it's hundreds of poems and also ideas for what to do with them to add a little bit more joy to our day. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So feel free to come and borrow those if you are a teacher of those grade levels. Um, if you teach grades three, four, and five, you could certainly use some of those poems because there are some gems in there. Um, but I also found a collection of great poems for practicing fluency, and it is linked in the pot of gold. So you can also turn there. All right, so that's a general synopsis of what and why fluency is important. Let's talk about how we're going to support students developing their fluency. First, I'll start with some tools and then I'll get into some uh, techniques. One of my favorite go-to tools for working on students' fluency is a whisper phone. A whisper phone could be, I remember there was one back in the early 2000s called a tubaloo. Um, and it's just basically a little pipe, a little phone. It looks like a little phone that students hold and it allows them to whisper, read out loud, and it goes straight into their ears and they hear themselves magnified, amplified, um, almost like using a microphone that goes like straight into headphones. It's a great tool because you can have everyone using whisper phones at the same time and they don't have to talk loudly or use a microphone. They can literally whisper, but it's so amplified that it sounds uh, really loud and crystal clear in their ears. So giving them a passage to practice or having them choose a passage in a text is um, a great way to allow them to use a whisper phone. And you can always have them, you know, decorate it with stickers and washi tape or duct tape um, to personalize it. And then it becomes a, a tool that they can take home and use continuously when they're done. It actually used to be my go-to holiday gift for students was instead of just using, borrowing the ones that I had, this is in the way before, you know, when I had like five whisper phones and we all use them and germs were not a huge deal. Things are different now. Um, so I would definitely have individual ones these days, um, but it was a go-to gift. Um, and I often, it was also a tool that we used uh, in writer's workshop as part of their revision work so that they could hear themselves, uh, hear their writing out loud. Um, so it was in a revision toolkit also. It's another way to use a whisper phone. All right, another tool that I lean on for developing fluency is a listening center or station where students listen to 
an audiobook or a recording to hear fluent reading modeled for them. Um, back in the way before, in my early days of teaching, I had sort of mystery readers. Um, I would send home legit cassette tapes and have parents or teachers record reading aloud a picture book. And then that became a book that went into uh, my listening center in my classroom. Now there are audiobooks available every which way you look. Um, my go-to is Epic. They have a really lovely collection. I especially like the ones that are read-alongs where it shows the print and it even highlights the words as the reader reads it aloud. Um, but even just requesting audiobooks from my local library um, is really handy. I love, love, love Libro FM. Uh, Libro.fm is a website. And if you sign up for an educator account every month, they offer free audiobooks to teachers and they do a brilliant job of offering a variety. I want to say it's, it's about, I don't know, six or eight books. There's usually one picture book. There's usually a couple nonfiction. Um, and then the rest are either middle grade chapter books across genres, um, or why a young adult books again, across genres. And the thing that I love about the books that they select are very, um, diverse. Um, so they do a really nice job with, um, representation in the books, either via, via authors or the, um, characters in the books that they choose. It's a great, great resource. And I love getting my monthly emails saying the new, um, Educator books are available, and I love seeing what they have. I download almost everything that they offer. They're all so, so good. I've listened to many great books that way. So I love also, and a little extension for a listening center, is that you could have students create audiobook recordings. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they can record it maybe on Vocaroo and then share that link with you. And then you can turn that into a QR code and then slap that QR code on the cover of a book. And then you have a whole add a bin to your classroom library of our classroom read alouds that we've read aloud, our audiobook collection. And it's, I think it would be super motivating to students. So they practice um, reading aloud their book and get better at fluency, they could confer with you so that you can offer them some tips. So, so great. Great extension. All right, so starting to get into some techniques. Um, these are techniques that I use across uh, content areas. It doesn't have to just be during Reader's Workshop. Um, a lot of these things happen in even just informal interactive read-alouds. Um, for instance, echo reading or choral reading. I love always displaying the text of the book that I'm reading aloud under using my document camera so that students are sort of reading along just like in Epic. Um, and maybe there's a really beautifully written line. Um, oh, let's echo read that. I'll read it. And then you echo it back to me just like I read. Um, you could even have that, do that, you know, does anyone want to try it? 
echo reading for us um, and have a student be a model and talking about like the, the phrases that you scoop or the interesting punctuation that's there that demands um, it being read a certain way or what expression you're using and why. So it gets at all of these reading elements, you know, we're inferring how the character's feeling based on the words that are used here. Um, we're inferring, like, it's almost a, the author's craft moves to figure out the rate at which we need to read it. Is this a really exciting part that we need to um, speed up? Or maybe it's a really dramatic part we need to slow down. And, and make, having those conversations are you're thinking aloud and modeling the choices that we make that impact um, our fluency. Choral reading is when you read it all together. Um, and again, having those same conversations and almost marking up the text the way I used to in my scripts in theater classes. Um, you know, we're underlining words that we want to really emphasize or stress, um, even scooping the phrases that you want to sort of drag together. Um, all of those um techniques allow students to see. It's almost like marking the same way that we mark up words in phonics. We're marking up sentences to find their most fluent interpretations. I will also use this often in guided reading. Um, that's another instructional context where echo or choral reading comes up a lot. All right, another technique that I'll lean on a lot for fluency um, instruction are fluency recordings. And this is something that takes a lot of support at the beginning, but eventually by the end of the year, it's completely independent. Fluency recordings are where you teach students how to uh, record themselves reading aloud. Again, probably using Vocaroo, or maybe even there's a feature in Google Classroom for our students in grades one through five. We don't need to reinvent or add in another platform if it's already built in. I just don't know. Because last year when I was in kindergarten, we were um, iPad and Seesaw people, not Google Classroom as our learning management system. Um, so again, back to the fluency recordings. You teach them to record themselves. You choose a passage, first of all. Um, and I typically will choose something that's engaging. Maybe it is a poem. Maybe it is um, a grade level text. So like whatever that target bass level is for that time of year, choosing a text at that level. And then they read it aloud, record themselves. And then this is the part that is so significant. They listen to themselves read it. They play it back to themselves. And there's a little sheet that I've developed over the years where they make a goal on which of those six dimensions of fluency they want to improve. And they make um, almost like an action step. How am I going to meet that goal of improving my rate? Um, well, maybe I'll practice a few times and I'll, I'll time myself. Um, maybe they want to practice their phrasing. So the way I'm going to improve it is I'm going to mark up my text right now and scoop up those words into meaningful phrases. I'm going to highlight all of the punctuation so that I pause in the correct spots. Whatever goal they choose, they make um, a plan for how they're going to achieve that goal. And then they record it a second time. And they play that second time back to themselves. And they could even play back their first read aloud to compare if they made the improvements that they had written about in their goal. 
they could also take this even a step further and do some graphing of their um, accuracy um, to see change over time. And I love using line graphs for this because you put the date on the x-axis and you put um, the percentages on the y-axis. And I usually start at like, I don't know, 75% all the way up to 100% accurate because hopefully they're getting somewhere in that range. Um, and it, it's more manageable than having 100 <laughs> from 0 to 100 because hopefully no one is like 3% accurate. <laughs> That's a whole nother issue. The fluency recording becomes a little time capsule of their fluent reading and capturing it several times throughout the year can show A, so much progress and growth, um, but B, it becomes something that students and families can access and is memorable not only for like the academic growth, but also you've just like captured their little voice. Um, over, you know, when they were in your third grade class or in your first grade class, whatever. And that is just so magical to families and to students themselves. I could imagine it becoming a treasure. My final technique for developing students' fluency is my favorite. It is a reader's theater. I mentioned my theater classes and marking up scripts before. I was a theater major in college and I love any opportunity to incorporate theater and drama in my teaching. I tell people all the time in my interviews, I use my theater degree every day because it's all a show, right? <laughs> um, the greatest showman, um, teachers everywhere. So in Reader's Theater, you have a short script and there are lots that you can pay for online for sure. I don't have time for that, nor the bank account. Um, so I have collected over the years many, 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 many Reader's Theater scripts. Some of them are available digitally. I linked to my collection in the Pot of Gold, but I also have many more, probably five times more hard copies available in my office that you can borrow, come browse and borrow um, anything that is of interest. But my actual favorite way to have get readers theater scripts is by writing them ourselves. So maybe you had a favorite read aloud recently. Take some time, a few days to do a shared writing or an interactive writing of a script. It's a form of writing that students very rarely get to um, practice and they don't have a lot of models for it unless they become, you know, obsessed with theater and performing like I did. So it's a great way to incorporate um, a new format for writing and it can also be a really great opportunity for joy for a lot of students. Not all, because there are definitely those students that would not like to be on a a stage of any kind, even if it's just at the front of the room. <clears throat> but it is a big opportunity for joy for most students. Reader's theater performances are staged readings, so nothing gets memorized. They're going to hold the script in front of them. There are not going to be any costumes or props, no matter how much they beg you. It's all about, it's like a radio play um, where they have to perform with their voice. 
they have to make sure they include the six dimensions of fluency. It requires a really deep understanding comprehension of the text. It requires a deep understanding of the vocabulary. They have to obviously be able to decode it. So it's it really is one of the best ways to incorporate all five components of reading in one joyful experience. Please come see me um, if you want to do some reader's theater in your room. I have done it many, many countless times. And I have sort of a little um, slew of lessons that I typically will go through. It is, in fact, the raffle on the fluency board in the staff room for the next few weeks. Be sure to enter because I'll be picking winners, plural, winners, um, fri by Friday, on Friday, the 21st of January. Be sure to submit your name. I love working on fluency. Don't forget that it could be a decoding phonics issue. So you can look, uh, take a closer look at any issues if someone is not as fluent as you would like them to be. Do a little follow-up in their phonics. I hope that you learned something or explored a new possibility with your own teaching to outgrow your own teaching with this episode of CF Talk. See you next time when we talk, we really, really, really dig in to phonics, and I'll have a special guest on that podcast episode. Happy reading. <laughs>